Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Unpack Rules podcast, supported by Blue Collar Street Food, where you will be able to watch the England games at next week's World Cup. Isn't it weird to think that the World Cup is starting next week? It's very odd. I can't quite get my head around the fact that we've just had a Reading game and the World Cup begins in six days time now matt lansley you're joining me this morning after a nine hour round trip to east yorkshire as i was reliably informed earlier this week and not humberside after reading have picked up three points away at hull for the first time in 28 years first time since you've been alive how are you feeling this morning um slightly tired but the curse, like uh, the, the, our, our away curse is broken. There is there. I don't want to hear anyone else complaining at us going to away games up north or any of any of the sort because it wasn't us. The team was just dreadful for so long up there when we went. I don't want to hear it, but very happy. Very happy, yeah. Third win of the season away from home. And to discuss it with us as well, we've also been joined by Jordan Cottle. Jordan, it's a pleasant Sunday morning when Reading win in the last minute, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you always love a, a last-minute winner, and to do it in a game just before the the international break is is brilliant. It feels very, very important. Um, so delighted to get that that last-minute winner. We will come on to the last-minute winner in the last minute of the podcast. That was definitely intentional. Uh, but let's go back to before the game, Jordan. We made four changes from the loss against Watford in midweek. Obviously, with Lumley being injured, Bazanis came in. Shane Long finally got a start. Tyrese Fauna back in the midfield and Junior Hoylett back in the starting lineup as well. I saw the starting lineup and I was a bit... I was questioning, was it four at the back? Was it five at the back? How are we going to line up? Because obviously with Hutchinson now being out again with another car strain, it feels like they might have rushed him back. You couldn't necessarily work the lineup out, given that we played four at the back against Watford for the first time this season. What did you reckon it was going to be? Yeah, it was tricky. Um, I haven't heard, uh, I don't know if Vince has really gone into it or I just missed it, but um, I haven't heard the reasoning necessarily behind um, why we did that switch, other than I guess just, you know, we know there's lots of injuries back there. And I guess eventually when you have enough injuries at the back, you kind of force your hand a bit. So, I guess in one way, it's not a surprise to see us flip back. It, it was a bit strange 
if it was like a tactical plan to do it for, for Watford, who obviously have a lot of quality. So, you know, I, I was the same as you. When I saw that lineup, I was hoping it was a five, but, you know, you could find ways to make it a four, you know, pretty easily. Um, but, and I guess a lot of the changes were <clears throat> players coming back. Maybe Hoyler couldn't, couldn't um, you know, we know he's playing a, a load of games. So maybe uh, midweek as well was it was a game too far for him. And, and naturally him coming back opens up that, that back three again um with him at right wing back so and then up front we've been doing what we've been doing <clears throat> excuse me for a little while which is kind of rolling the dice on on strikers and seeing which which pairing seems to work um so you know I, I was happy to see Mete continue I was happy to see Long have a go um but it is one uh, of those situations Jordan up front where if you throw enough at the wall something might stick eventually yeah, I think I think it seems pretty clear that he doesn't know what his first choice pairing is. And I think it also, to me at least, it looks like he doesn't necessarily plan them too closely based on the opposition. I don't think we played long and Mete because we spotted some big weakness in Hull or anything like that. I think he just thought Mete's in fairly good form and obviously has been playing fairly well of late. Long he hasn't played in a while. Carol's not really been doing the business, so we'll give him a go. Um so yeah, how that pair, or how yeah, how the front two has changed over the course of the season is pretty interesting because everybody's had a, a pretty good little run or a stretch where they've been fit, and obviously we've seen Tomins up there as well, um, and nothing's quite, nothing's quite, I don't know. I mean, instead of himself, like the spot is there for somebody to go and grab, and as of yet, nobody's really set themselves super apart. Yeah, I think Mete's probably had the longest run, hasn't he, since he's been fit. But no one's really gone on that like run of form where they've had four goals in five games or managed to get a brace and then follow it up with a with a goal in the next game and a goal a couple of games later. So it's it's been very kind of stop start for all of our strikers so far. So I think seeing the seeing the change with Long coming in probably wasn't that surprising, given that we haven't had any of the strikers really continue a sustained run of form yet but it was at the back Matt which uh was the worry at the start of the game because Hull started really really quickly their passing movement at the start of the game created a couple of corners very quickly and the first one was pushed out headed out by Holmes to the edge of the area headed back in by a whole player and I think it was Figueredo who had a free header pretty much from about six yards out and he probably should have scored from this header. And Bazanis makes a really good save. He does. Yeah, you know, it was the first time really Bazanis was called on kind of in the game. Um, makes a strong save to, to his left, pushes it away quite well. Um, he could have, you know, parried that into the box. He didn't. He pushes it around the post. It's it's a really good save um, really from him. But Kind of as as soon as you think like actually well I think kind of we 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 saw that first pet um that first corner and Hull were doing the old kind of England tactic line up in one line and spread yourself out after that just explode yourself and run in all different directions whatever you want to call it um I'm sure that's not what they call it because there's an abysmal description of it but <laughs> um you kind of looked at it and you thought Reading need to kind of get on top of this because there were three players going left, right and centre, you know, when, 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 when they were breaking out and the second corner comes in 
and it's kind of a carbon copy really apart from the fact it doesn't get headed out um and then um, number four their captain it was eves wasn't it um i think from memory um greaves greaves that was greaves it was fantastic absolutely fantastic i have to say i'm sure we'll talk about him but um yeah, he just bullies. I, I, I don't even know who was who was marking him. Was it was it Yidam? I think it was marking him. I think but... it's I, I think it's either in Benway or Holmes. One of them seems to lose him in the uh, right, in, yeah. like, in the mix. But he, he, he has essentially a f- the freest of free headers. He's not challenged. I mean, and it's a it's a good good header really into the into the bottom corner. And you're just looking at that and you're thinking five minutes in, like, yeah, here we here we go again up north. Yeah, it definitely was one of those kind of like deja vu moments almost. And we really haven't improved, Jordan. If anything, we've got worse from defending set pieces. We we really are struggling. I, I don't know how many that is now, but if it, I think it must be about 10 from corners we've conceded. And yeah, I don't know whether it's bad luck or just awful <laughs> execution. But there's something <laughs> going seriously wrong with Reading scoring still this season. Yeah, well, I think... Um, I, I think it, it, it's without question that we are way worse at corners. Um, it's not even just this season, it, to be honest. It is since Ince has come in. Um, we can see a lot more. We also can see a lot of chance, a lot more chances. You know, towards the tail end of last season, when he changed the way we set up for corners, we stopped conceding initially, but we're still like having massive corner chances against. Um, I think I think a lot was made, obviously, of of like zonal marking and man marking last season and, and people like to sort of um have that sort of debate you know I, I think last season um you know we were really good from set pieces and from corners under Pano in his first season and then all of a sudden we were we were terrible the next and for me like without looking too far back and and going over all ground I think a lot of that was just down to like all the injuries we had like at some point when you lose 10 players to injuries, 12 players to injuries, you're sort of shuffling through all of the roles that they've got to do. And suddenly you've got like Zhao and Meite and Ajaria who were very good this previous season from corners. They're all out and you're giving those jobs to guys who aren't necessarily suited to them. So I think probably a little bit too much was made of the zonal marking issue last season. Do you think there's got a bit of a role to play this season with the injuries and kind of all the shuffling that we've seen, especially in defence? Well, I mean... In in a way, yes, but you know that is also just the downside of man marking, right? Like man marking, or, or part of the the thought behind zonal marking is that you can partly you can cover for weaknesses or or lack of height or, or whatever, right? Um, whereas if you literally just go for man for man, so to take the goal from from yesterday, right? Yeah, Mbenge loses his man completely, and Greaves has a big header, but equally. Greaves has about six inches on on Greaves to start with or more. So even if he's touch tight, if the ball's right and he's competing 1v1, he's probably scoring that either way. Um, so, look, big teams are always going to be a threat from, or always can be pose a threat. But, you know, by, by reducing yourself down to, we're not entirely man-marking, but a largely man-marking system like that, um, you know, you are... You'd, I think you take a little bit of the blame or you, you almost try to take some of the blame away from the coach. But at, at the end of the day, it's the coach who sets that up. And we have definitely been worse or very bad, at least, this season from corners. 
it's definitely something that you would hope that the next four weeks they're going to look at and work on because it's uh, it is a massive weakness in Reading's performances currently. And I mean, you're right about Greaves. Guy is absolutely huge. We saw Junior Hoyler go up against him for a header later on in the game, and it was just like I don't know why Junior Hoyler is bothering. He's about a foot and a half shorter than than Jacob Greaves. So obviously, if you put a player like Mbengue who isn't that tall himself against Jacob Greaves, maybe it's not surprising that he's uh, going to win a header. And if you then give him a free header, it's it's really difficult to defend. I'll be honest, Reading look really, really shaky though for the, the next 10 minutes, Jordan, because I think it was about seven, six, seven minutes later, Bazanis slips outside of his area when he comes out for a clearance. And I want to say it's Longman who picks up the ball about 20 yards from goal on the left-hand side. And any fan in the stadium would have thought that he would just hit it first time because there is an open goal. There is no defender covering him. And that would have been 2-0. And in, for all intents and purposes, it's it's game over. It's 2-0, isn't it? Yeah, that one that one was um, one we definitely got away with. It was it was pretty poor from... I mean, it was a little bit poor from Mbenga initially, and then it was very poor from Buzanis. Um, but yeah, like you say, the ball's already past the keeper. You just think, oh, he's just going to hit it first time or even take one touch, tight touch and, and score. But, um, you know, obviously we, we did get away with that massively. And you were right. Like we were a bit nervy. I don't think we ever really, even though as the game went, we got a bit more into it. And obviously we'll, we'll talk about the goals and everything later. But um, all through the game, you could see we were a little bit nervy with with um, some of our defending, but but more so I think just like on the ball and, and in attack with like, any time a team is off the back of a bit of a losing run, you know, asking them to do everything instinctually, which is how we how we attack and how we have for years, is, it's all just vibes, isn't it? It's it it's always going to be a little bit trickier when you're on a losing run. So every pass is a little bit slower or a little bit shorter, you know, or not quite where it's supposed to be, and and every run is like a little bit tentative. So there was lots of um, there was lots of that throughout. So so to come away with a win, obviously, is it's great from it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think there was uh, definitely just a little bit of a lack of confidence, particularly when we were on the ball and it didn't necessarily affect the attacking performance map, but we weren't creating particularly either. Despite the fact that we got to what, half an hour in 30, yeah, 32 minutes, just looked it up 32 minutes in and we actually had our fifth corner of the game, 32 minutes in. We were, producing corners but we weren't necessarily producing any chances to make those corners and we weren't producing from the corner but our fifth corner junior Hoylet whips in from from the left hand side and I don't really know how it's gone all the way through to the back post to Yakumate here no it kind of goes through everyone really doesn't it I mean it's to, to be fair before this I think Ince has a good shot which obviously I think the I think the keeper parries uh, actually, no, 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 it's not. It's, it, it wasn't Insta shot, was it? It was, um, it was Hoylet shot, which the keeper parries around the post. Um, but I mean, Hoylet whips in the corner, and actually, I think, I think it's knocked on, it's flicked on, I think, by by Long almost to to Mate at the back post. But I mean, Mate's on his back, he swung his leg in, leg at it, and it's gone in the bottom corner, and we're 1 1. It, it, it's, it's, yeah, like, like you say, before that. 
to say that we were creating chances really i mean it was uh, the hoylet chance was probably the first chance we had of the game that led to the corner right um but but yeah it it, it was it was just i mean jordan i don't know what what your thoughts were kind of kind of on it it, it, it was Alex kind of knows what I was feeling during that game at that time. It just wasn't that exciting a, a half of football, really, um, for for me. Yeah, it it wasn't exciting. No, I did feel like um, I think it's probably a stretch to say the goal was coming, but I, I did feel like we were getting more of a foothold in it, and and like you know, you guys have said, like we were spending a little bit more time in their half. We were putting together some okay attacks, like like you said, Hoyler had that weird shot that got sort of got pushed around i think mate had um like a header at the back post that got blocked or, or over and stuff like that so we were sort of you could maybe see where goals might come from without us like creating loads of chances um but it was you know it's pretty typical it's pretty typical reading in that like game was pretty tight there wasn't much for either side like if we'd have been half an hour into that game and we hadn't have conceded from that corner we'd have probably been pretty happy because it's no, it's not exciting. No, we don't look brilliant, but it's like pretty standard reading of, you know, tight game. Neither side looks like scoring. We've got a pretty good record at, at like nicking goals. You know, hopefully we will. Um, so, uh, but but yeah, we certainly weren't dominating really, were we? But getting, uh, getting back to 1-1, I think you're right, Jordan. If it, if it had been 0-0, we hadn't scored from the corner. They hadn't scored from the corner. I think we probably would have been relatively pleased, relatively like kind of satisfied, despite the fact that we weren't playing necessarily that well. And a lot of the talk yesterday was around how the game was must not lose or must win. And Hull weren't necessarily dominating the game, but we weren't really in the game either. It was a it was a very odd kind of first 30 minutes, I think. And the fact that it was 1-1 was a, probably a bit of a surprise because there wasn't necessarily the, the chances for both teams off of their own back in creation to justify it being 1-1, really. The last talk, uh, talking point, the last talking point of that first half, Matt, there was a, let's say, heavy-handed challenge from Jeff Hendrick with about five minutes to go. And from the away end, we were convinced it was a red card. I'll put it out there now and say, I haven't seen a replay of it. It's not on the highlight package. And from the reaction of Reading fans online, they were very much of the case of it wasn't a red card and it would have been very harsh. But from the away end, it did look quite a bad challenge. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, kind of being there, seeing it in real time, um, it looked like, I mean, the writing was on the wall. Like I thought, I thought the, the ref was going to go straight to his pocket and give him just a straight, straight red card, tell him, tell him to get off. And, um, you know, we would have been down to 10. But I mean, I did um, on the journey back, actually, I did see um, the kind of highlights of of the tackle. Um, and it's it's an interesting one because obviously Hendrick, he goes in off the ground. 
he very quickly then puts his feet back on the ground and then almost collides with the player as he's obviously moving forward. So it's he's not he's not gone in studs up going into the player. He's started that move almost, um, and whether or not mid halfway through he thought, you know, shit, this is going to be a red card, and then stopped. I don't know, but. <laughs> kind of watching the highlight I can more see why the ref only gave a yellow um and do I think a yellow was probably fair looking at the replay probably because for the reasons that I've mentioned you know he's not gone in he's not you know stamped his feet over at him he's not gone in studs up he's kind of pulled out of it very quickly you know and the player on the floor really has made a very big meal of kind of the contact that actually did come from it um how, so but I mean how did it look Jordan to you on first glance from the from the cameras as it were yeah i mean i i was the same i thought it was red um straight away i've, I've also seen the replay and i again i can sort of get why it's yellow i think it probably still is a red it's definitely one of those ones where if you'd have been sent off even when you watch the highlights you've gone yeah i can kind of see it um but you're right like he doesn't make massive contact but it is that like weird jumping in motion and it just seemed like i mean it was just one of those like classic heavy touch jumps in that's a red card sort of sort of tackle so i mean it's good that he didn't connect because if he had it would probably would have been pretty nasty um or didn't like properly connect um but uh yeah i think certain referees that we've had this season you know could certainly have seen him sent off for sure it's probably one of those that if he does get sent off because he's actually started the motion you could probably say well you can't really yeah like even though he's pulled out of it you can see why he's been sent off um, just because he's started that motion. You know, some might say or some refs might think he's out of control there when he started that motion. You know, some might think, well, he's back in control because he stopped it, but he's jumped in two-footed, you know, and that's what I guess Hull fans will probably be feel aggrieved of, the fact that he's jumped in two-footed. It doesn't really matter that he's pulled out of it because people want to cut that out of the game, right? Yeah, you don't really have much defence if, you, if you're Hendrick, I think, on, on the challenge. Once you jump in like that, if you do get sent off, it's very difficult to defend yourself. Even if he hasn't necessarily made that much contact, if you're going to jump in with both feet, you're setting, this, you're setting yourself up to let the referee make a decision. And, you know, thankfully, the referee didn't send him off because I think that game with 10 men would have been much tougher. Uh, but... It's not, uh, it probably was a little bit, I think, fortunate, judging on what you guys have said. The second half, I'll be honest, I don't have any highlights from the second half, particularly. The second half was a complete nothingness. I think there was two shots in, in the entire second half, which have made it on to the, the highlights reel from yesterday. And I only can't remember many more shots from the game. And I actually sat there and watched all of it in person and it wasn't there wasn't anything which i can remember so the first thing that i'm gonna have to discuss with you jordan is the substitutes that we made at 70 uh, yeah 70 minutes with andy carroll coming on and lucas Shaw coming on and we made a kind of a double switch up front with shane long and yakimate coming off having seen that first 70 minutes I mean, what did you think? Were they good subs? Were they kind of the in inverted commas correct subs? Would you what would you have done 
would you have made those same kind of moves? Um, <laughs> I think to me at the time, you know, obviously they worked, if you want to call it that, given that both players contributed to, to the goal. But um, to me, they definitely just felt like, um, oh, you know, the two strikers are out there at the moment. They've had a good little run, but they're not getting much joy. So let me just try two different strikers. Um, and that kind of, again, like not to necessarily target any specific weakness or not necessarily to, to do anything different. Um, you know, it, it's funny, the pair that we took off are obviously the two that like to stretch the pitch and run in behind. Um, the two we put on typically don't really. I don't think Carolyn Jarrah really works as a pairing. I'm not overly sure that Mete and Long worked as a pairing. You'd think some combo of of uh, of both would have been better. But um, yeah, so I think that was just a case of um, chucking them on. I don't think Ince, and I don't necessarily blame him for this, but I don't think Ince was necessarily pushing that hard to win the game. You know, it brought Loom on earlier as well and sort of stuck him at left mid or left centre mid. I think he was just sort of refreshing the options up front rather than us making like a, all right, last 20 minutes, we'll really try and go for it. Um, you know, that said, I thought Zhao was really, really good when he did come on. Um, you know, he held up the ball quite well. He worked really hard. He dropped in. He, he was a threat. Um, you know, he gave the back line a, a, a bit of an issue. Yeah, the, um, the pressure the pressure that Zhao put on that that whole back line when he came on, yeah. not necessarily when he was on the ball, but when Hull had the ball in their final third. And I mean, if, if people listen to the preview podcast, you would know that Hull are trying to play this possession-based style and yeah. play out from the back. And as soon as they had it in their own final third, Lucas Zhao, once he came on, was he was there every single time pressurising them. And we definitely did benefit from him doing that because we we had lost that I think in the second half before that point and the, and the big thing that the Lucas Shaw does do is he's, he is good at winning fouls um you know he can hold the ball up but then often even when he doesn't hold the ball up he is able to win a foul and we are a team all season long that have you know got goals and got chances from set pieces from free kicks so um you know, it's it's really important to have somebody on the pitch that can do that because um, we kind of know that Carroll doesn't really win free kicks, even if maybe it's not all his fault, but whatever reason, he doesn't really win many free kicks. Longy can, Mete sort of can, but I don't think either of them are as good as Lucas at just sort of getting his body in the way or having that good touch that draws the foul and stuff like that. So, you know, when you're a team that doesn't create much, Having a guy on the pitch who can probably win you three, four free kicks a game, usually in areas where you can at least chuck the ball in, you know, that is a bit of a bonus. Yeah, and Matt, the goal obviously comes from uh, Lucas Zhao winning a free kick on the left-hand side and with a nice little bit of hold-up play because there is nobody within, I'd say, 25 yards of him when he wins this free kick. Yeah, he. I mean, he. I think he did it a couple of times earlier in earlier in the game as well. But I mean, it's one of those which, if it's your player that's committed your foul, you're just thinking, what on earth are you doing in that situation? What? Where is Lucas Shell going? Who has he got with him to pass him? And I mean, he just gets bundled over. It's it's a very 
silly um, and frustrating foul, I'm sure for for Hull fans to, to to give away. But to be honest, we don't really care. It's kind of what it's kind of what what we kind of needed, right? A, a, a scrappy set piece at the end of the game. I mean, it's a great ball to the back post from from Ince. Andy Carroll comes in and leaps up. And it gets turned into the back of the net, you know. Um, and I, I well, we discussed it on the way back. I think even if the defender doesn't get there, where Lucas Shaw's positioned, he's got a very good chance of probably tapping it in anyway. Um, even if it doesn't get blocked, and it kind of forces his presence there, forces the defender to make that move to the ball, try and do something. So again, you know, Lucas Shaw there affecting play. Um, for the fact he was only on for was it nineteen twenty minutes. The way he affected the game yesterday, Lucas Shaw was really, really positive. And it's kind of a Lucas Shaw, I guess, we've not really seen because he's not been seen to be closing down. He's not been seen to do quite a bit of running, which he did yesterday. You know, he was hassling. He was using his strength. It was a really good performance for for, it, for the 20 minutes he was on. Yeah, it was very it was very not Lucas Shaw-esque. <laughs> we're, we're very much used to him being the technical player and, you know, the, the skill player on the ball when we see him up front. And yeah, yeah. we do see him hold the ball up and we do see him produce moments of strength from time to time but the Zhao that we all remember and that we all love is the Zhao that you know can drag the ball past a defender and then slot the ball home or put the ball in the top corner from 20 yards it's not the Zhao that necessarily is the one that is harrying the defender or you know hustling a defender down by their own corner flag so yeah to see that was it was really positive from from Zhao yesterday I agree I mean the goal Jordan was a. Uh, it was brilliant to see. Fantastic to get three points, and it puts us now into twelfth position going into the World Cup break. Now, I think league position may be a little bit irrelevant because the league table is so tight. But when you look at the points return on its own, we've got twenty nine points now from twenty one, and I think if you'd asked any Reading fan before we started the season, would you have been happy with that? I think there would have been absolutely 100% resounding yes. Yeah, totally. Um, I think I understand why there was like a little bit of a panic and there was, a you know, some questions about Ince um, in the last couple of weeks. I get that totally. Um, but, you know, I, I still think we are way ahead of schedule. I think he is doing a good job. You know, that doesn't mean I think he's some amazing manager, but I think he is doing a good job with, with what he has to work with. Um, you know, I thought his comments in the week were, were poor, but I also agree that I don't think this squad has that much, has that higher ceiling. So, you know, he is working with, um, you know, not not the highest quality squad in the world. Um, so I think, he, I think he's doing a good job. And, you know, you, you guys have talked about this, you know, we talked about this on our part as well, but like, we've had such a good start that it does sort of change the mathematics for the rest of the season. And this, you know, everybody's talking about one point per game and that is, you know, we're still on track with that. And that is, you know, that shouldn't be the goal because um, it's not really going to be very exciting to watch, but as long as we can stay vaguely around there, we, we will likely be fine. Um, so as long as, you know, when we go on these couple of losing runs, as long as we can nick a few wins, as long as we can, you know, do our business at home and then try and grab some stuff away from home, you know, we will be fine. And, you know, I don't think it's, it's a balancing act, right? Like the good start from Ince can't just like carry him through the rest of the season without criticism, but equally, 
you do kind of have to view it as where we are right now, which is ahead of schedule. And it's been a good start. And it's been such a good start that hopefully, fingers crossed, it will carry us through to the rest of the season without needing to be that good. Um, so, yeah, as long as we can just grab wins every three, four games, grab a couple of draws, ideally, um, you know, we will be fine. Um, and I, I don't know, like, I still think, Again, I don't think the quality is that, that high, but I still think there's enough in the team and the way we set up and the way we approach games and the way we turn them all into scraps that there'll be enough. There'll be enough wins, enough home wins against teams that aren't that good that we'll go and we'll go and you know nick it or or win the tight game. I think we'll we'll do enough. So you're not concerned, Jordan, but you're also not going to get excited for the playoffs just yet because we're only two points behind. No, no, yeah. You, you two are sounding very similar. It's, 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 it's rather worrying. Have it, like th- this is the exact lecture that I had from Alex on the way home from <laughs> uh, from Hull yesterday. It's, it's, it's uncanny. Well, what can I say? It's uh, clearly just uh, great minds think alike. The World Cup break is upon us, Matt. We've got f- four weeks, I think it is now, until our next game. Yeah, four weekends. That is far too long without a a club game in the middle of November. Two weeks is enough for an international break. Oh, goodness me. This is just, <laughs> yeah, elongated international break at its finest, I think. And it, yeah, it's brilliant to go in with a last minute winner. I would love to know, apart from Sheffield United, when was the last time Reading got a last minute winner away from home? If anybody knows the answer to that, like throw it, throw it our way on, on social media because it's, I couldn't think of it last night at all. Anyway, can think of a few at home, but not, yeah, not away. Home, nothing away from home. It's always, There's probably it's one always... glaring one that we're missing somewhere. Some, but... yeah, someone will definitely, uh, definitely be able to tell us. Anyway, that is that is it for today. We'll be back soon. It's a weird one, isn't it? Four weeks. This is a this is a long break. Yeah, we'll be back soon. We'll 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 do a roundup of the first half or just about half of the season at some point in the next next week or so so yeah catch that on your on your social feeds at some point soon make sure you catch up with jordan's podcast jordan give yourself a plug give yourself a shout out reading between the lines i think you're available on everywhere as well pretty much yeah thanks yeah reading between the lines um we've got a few plans for the international break as well um so we'll probably be doing a few one-off pods catching up on how the women's season's gone we're planning to do a pod on um, the academy, um, and then also, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on the last few games as well. But yeah, so you can check us out on social media to Reading Between the Lines. Yeah, catch up with their latest pod. It was a really interesting look at the last ten games and how they've gone. I think it was up earlier this week. So yeah, one to one to listen to if you haven't listened before. Matt, it's been a pleasure having you on as well this morning. Thank you. And it's been great having you all listen along. If you've enjoyed today's episode, drop us a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening, along with a five-star rating. We would really appreciate it. Make sure you get yourself down to Blue Collar to go and watch some of the World Cup. They are taking bookings if you're booking for a big group, so you can get yourself a guaranteed table at Reading's best venue. I mean, why wouldn't you want to do that? I don't, don't know why you wouldn't. And we will talk to you all very, very soon. Nice one. Cheers.